What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. The Crime time, baby. Fear money. Nobody moves, nobody gets hurt. Sorry about your damn luck. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 104, and it is about the themes of Cowboy James Storm in Impact. And when I say Impact, who better to come back on and talk about some TNA slash Impact themes? It's my pal, Garrett Kidney. Hello, Garrett. For a very long time, I have held a, a, b- a bitter grudge against this podcast. A long-standing <sighs> grudge for the treatment of a certain James Storm theme song. And once the like, once you ask me on Slack, do I want to be the guest for this James Storm episode of Music of the Mat, uh, you will be able to look back and see my response was, yes, all caps, exclamation mark. Because this is my time to put it on the record and set it straight about the sheer quality of long necks and regnecks. It's a theme song, and that is the only reason I'm here. Can I just say for the record again that I was never the one to disparage long necks and rednecks. That was always just Chris, not me. And now, you know, he is off doing his own thing with his own podcast, Pro Wrestling Repackaged. It's great. Check it out. Available now. But I'm still here. And I enjoy that song. And Garrett, there's no need to come at me with the barbs and the attack dogs. We will enjoy that song together later on. So please just take it down a notch, okay? Take it down. All right. I'll I'll take it back down to five from ten. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Down to my regular level of song. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Well, it's been a while since I had you on here, Garrett. Uh, In fact, between the last time you were on and now, a couple things have happened. Uh, Number one. A little pandemic came around. Uh, how have you been doing during this whole thing? Are you okay? Uh, slowly going crazy, but I think that's where we all are right now. Because <laughs> um, we're all at that like stage where like we're collectively at the end of our tether. But most reasonable people realize it's it's still going to be a while until it's over. So even though my emotional bandwidth to deal with this is as thin as it could possibly be at this stage, <laughs> still it's still not breaking. Yes, but uh, it's it's the world. It's, it's not a particularly fun place at the moment. So we'll, we'll, we can dive into pro wrestling theme songs to make ourselves feel slightly happy. And remember the good old days when these all these songs used to play and people used to react to them. Remember those days? I think I do. Uh, something about having a full crowd of people, uh, some sort of faraway time, I think it was. Uh, my memory's a bit hazy there, Garrett. I'm sorry. It's, it just, it's been so long. Do you ever think about how there are wrestling fans? who nearly entirely know, like, empty arena wrestling. Like, they'd be very young fans, but, like, new fans over the last year 
will have never seen a, a wrestling show with a real crowd. Wait, you mean they don't just appear on TVs in the background? What, what's this about? <laughs> you can actually show up to WWE shows? What's this? <laughs> and, like, parents are going to be furious because kids are going to be like, Daddy, can we go to the wrestling? It's like, no, you can only appear on screens. And then suddenly when crowds come back, they're going to be like, you lied to me. <laughs> well, uh, the other thing that happened is that you started and ended your own podcast, uh, Wednesday War Games with you and Liam, which was a fun show, and um, Shaman had to end, but I guess, you know, when a certain forbidden door opens, uh, other podcast doors have to close. <laughs> yeah, sometimes when forbidden doors open, other doors close, and it is quite unfortunate. Though, um, knowing apparently NXT will be moving to, uh, from Wednesday, so the Wednesday Night War will apparently end next month, if reports are to be believed. So we may come back for a slight little finale, just to put the, the, the hat on it all, uh, and look back on the wonders of the Wednesday Night Wars. <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, you know, as far as, like, opening themes go, it was pretty unique, you know, the opening theme from Arthur, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. I mean, that stands out amongst any other wrestling podcast theme that I know, so. Yeah, it was, it was all about how we should be coming together and getting along with each other instead of fighting. That, <laughs> that was the message of our podcast. It was the, oh, the, the deep oh, thing. Oh, you silly man. Oh, <laughs> We were we were advocating for the Forbidden Door opening, even with our theme song, Andrew. There was the deep subtext of our <laughs> podcast. I get it now. I get it now. Um, well, next time you start a podcast, uh, use like the Jekyll and Hyde song from Arthur. Jekyll, mm. Jekyll, Hyde, Jekyll, Hyde, Hyde. Just go real weird with it for no real reason whatsoever. <laughs> see, if we do do a finale, yeah, do do. Um, I might throw all that stuff in just to see the will Rich get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the library card song. Just do, do the whole Arthur Slate there. Why not, right? <laughs> I'll get the entire Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel taken down by just <laughs> way too many <laughs> Arthur songs. Uh, well, uh, today, Garrett, we're going to discuss uh, the topic that is uh, kind of similar to the last one that you were on. Because uh, last time we talked about Jeff Hardy's impact themes but this time i'll talk about james storm's impact themes cowboy james storm uh tna slash impact mainstay and when i say mainstay i mean it because that guy was on the very first tna show the first weekly pay-per-view back in 02 it was him and psychosis versus the infamous penis tag team the johnsons <laughs> and fast forward to now 2021 19 years later and he's still there. He's still an impact. Um, I mean, he's come and gone a few times, of course, over the years. Uh, he went to NXT for a cup of coffee, the NWA. But most of his career has been an impact. And when you think of the people who have, like, defined impact over the years, you think first of the big names. AJ, Jeff Jarrett, Sting, Angle, you know, the real big ones. James Storm, you know, maybe not on that high level, but he's been part of impact for so long that he's just part of the fabric of the company at this point. It's amazing. Yeah, James Storm and AJ Styles in particular were the backbone of TNA and Impact. Like, the workhorses. James Storm is actually coming up on his 1,000th match in Impact. He's on 997. The match against Rohit Raju on BTI this week was his 997th match in an Impact or TNA ring. Like... That's more than that's more than anybody else. He's had more matches than anybody else in the history of the company. The second is AJ on I think it's like seven ninety nine, and then you have a few people in like the six hundreds with the, the likes of Saban and Rude and Eric Young who are hovering in the six hundreds. But nearly one thousand matches in the history of the company. The only wrestler who probably will ever reach that number in this company. 
Like I'd I'd be very surprised if like AJ came back and worked another two hundred matches. Like even if AJ ever came back, he's not working another two hundred matches. Uh, he's he's the backbone. He's the workhorse, and he always has been. When you think of like the best tag teams in company history, you think of America's Most Wanted. You think of Beer Money. Those are the top two. Like actually, there was a top ten tag team title match poll released today, uh, and which there is plenty of America's Most Wanted and. Our beer money matches in there, particularly against Triple X, against the Motors and Midnight Machine Guns, and against AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. And not just that, he was a great singles wrestler as well. And it, it's a bit of a travesty. He's only ever held the world title for two weeks in his entire, over those entire nearly a thousand matches. He had like four title matches, which is unfortunate. But he, yeah, I, I think he's like the back, him and AJ are like the two guys who were just always there, always on the show, every single week for the best part of, in Storm's case, 15 years up until like at the start of 2018 is when he like left obviously he left at the end of 2015 for like uh, a cup of coffee i don't even think he missed the television show because they taped the world title series that year in which he was in so like he didn't actually miss any tv even though he was gone for three months which is actually quite a remarkable feat <laughs> uh and then he did actually leave at the start of 2018 for uh two and a half years until he returned to bank for glory last year this is like all of that time from 2002 to 2018, he was pretty much never injured and always on TV for 15 years. It's insane. Yeah, the longevity is pretty crazy and, and remarkable. I mean, especially given just how everything else in TNA has changed over the years. All the ups and downs, the regime changes, the network changes, all that stuff. And he's been there for almost all of it, kind of like a, a living history in a way. Um, similar to like the Briscoes in ROH in a lot of ways. But, um, but he himself has changed too. You know, he's played different roles. He's been everything from like a, a root and tune cowboy face to a, an evil cult leader, a lovable beer drinker, mask wearing gang member, world champion, you know, 14 time tag champion combined. He's wrestled in straight up matches. He's wrestled in crazy, bloody brawls and cage matches. He's done, you know, with the exception of like the X Division, pretty much everything you can do at Impact in terms of types of roles and card positioning. And he's never really been stagnant for too long. You know, he's never been the same kind of guy in his entire run there, Garrett. Which, which really does help. Like, as, as you said, he's played like, like most of them are variations on a cowboy because he's the cowboy. It's his name. Uh, but like, he's been a mean cowboy. He's been a fun cowboy. He's been a drunk cowboy. He's been a sinister cowboy. He's been a cult cowboy. He's been a gang leader cowboy because you have to distinguish between, you know, revolution is more a cult as opposed to the DCC, which is a gang. Uh, but he led both of them. So uh, <laughs> for, he was a four horseman, I guess, technically. <laughs> sort of, yeah. You can throw that of. in there. He's yeah storm sorry about everybody else's damn luck because he's been around literally forever doing literally everything up and down the card yeah i mean it's funny i remember when we did the jeff jarrett episode we listed off like every tag team and stable that jarrett was in and uh, it was quite a lot um but i think storm was on his tail you know you got like america's most wanted beer money the team with gunner planet jarrett the revolution fortune uh immortal technically uh, the Death Crew Council, he might be the most preeminent tag team slash stable wrestler in Impact history, or at least one of them, you know. I, I legitimately think James Storm is the most underrated pro wrestler in America for the last 20 years. Like, full stop, not just TNA. Because I don't think, if you were to ask somebody to list a great pro wrestlers in America over the last 20 years, I don't think the average person would name James Storm. I really don't. 
And I think he's been a great pro wrestler consistently for the last 20 years. He's had some of the best matches in TNA history. Like for me, he's had the best match in TNA history, which is the Triple the X America's Most Wanted Cage match at Turning Point 004, famous for the skipper cage walk. But if you've never watched that whole match, that whole match is absolutely incredible. I don't think he gets his due as a guy, because I think it's the TNA effect that, like, similar to how AJ didn't really get his due until after he left, I think Storm doesn't get his due. He, this, certainly, Storm's not as good as AJ Styles. I'll never argue that. But I don't think he gets the due for, like, just how many great matches this guy has had for 20 years, particularly in a tag team setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, AMW and Beer Money alone, I mean, that resume is just, it's pretty incredible, I think. And, and you're right, if those matches had happened, you know, outside of the impact bubble, outside of that little uh, little zone there, maybe he would have gotten more praise by a wider audience. Um, but I guess, you know, the vortex of LOL TNA just sucks in all it can. And James Storm, through no fault of his own, of course, he just gets, you know, sucked into that thing and he doesn't get the proper credit. And like, I like the Usos. I think the Usos are a very good team. But like people hype up the Usos as this like all time great WWE team. And like James Storm, both of his tag teams, his main tag teams, significantly better than the Usos. Like AMW and Beer Money, way better than the Usos. Again, I like the Usos. WWE fans don't get mad at me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, if Dave Storm had those matches, if he had the the Chris Harris last man stand or Texas Death Match, even because TNA rules, uh, Texas Death Match Sacrifice 07. Like, if if he had that match in WWE, they'd still be talking about it. That's like full on the Muta scale blood job. It's like <laughs> it's off the scale. Probably we need a new scale. Name the scale after James Storm. If they had the, the beer money against the Motor City Machine Gun series in WWE, people would just be talking about it forever. And people do talk about it. Like that two or three falls match won the, the best tag team title match in Impact History poll we just did this week. So people do remember it and do celebrate it. But again, people wouldn't call James Storm. I, as I said, I don't think the average, like, reasonably smart pro wrestling fan would call James Storm one of the best wrestlers of the last 20 years or even a great pro wrestler of the last 20 years. And I, he's in that conversation, or at least he should be. Right, right. Well, let's get to these themes here. And uh, the thing about James Storm is that he's had a lot of Impact themes over the years. And uh, a bunch of them are just kind of the same songs with different intros and remixes or so forth. And if I played all those, we'd be here for like 30 hours or whatever, because <laughs> there's just so many of them. Um, we'll basically just play the main versions of these themes for the most part. Uh, mention some other versions of them in passing. Uh, as we go along. Because um, again, Garrett, we're talking like 19 years here. That's a lot of theme songs in that time period. And as we mentioned, he's been in a lot of groups. So oh, it's yeah. like not just James Storm themes, all the groups and teams he's been in. The AMW theme has had like seven different intros uh, based on the number of that started at the start of it. You could even go to the Chris Harris spinoff in 2011 if you wanted to. That's a Chris Harris theme, of course. Uh, yeah, he's had a lot of themes. So yeah, it is wise that we keep it to the uh, one, well, more or less one per major theme. Yeah, the ones that, you know, people know the most, had the most exposure, put on the albums, that sort of stuff. So let's start at the beginning here on the second ever TNA pay-per-view, June 26, 2002. That was the first time that Cowboy James Storm and Wildcat Chris Harris teamed up, adopting the name America's Most Wanted. And a few months later, they won their first NWA World Tag Team title, the first of many tag titles for James Storm. And uh, their first theme is by Dale Oliver. Again, the first of many. <laughs> this is called, appropriately, Cowboy. Cowboy. 
Come on down to Rex Tucker's Barbecue Bash. We got the best chicken in town. Yeehaw! Uh, this is a, a real rootin' tootin' cowboy song here, Garrett. I mean, it's a real good time. Real upbeat country dance music here. Um, but it's odd, you know, because a lot of Storm's themes that we'll cover here, they ride a harder edge. There's a lot more aggressiveness to them, a lot more grit. This one, though, it's a fun little song there, Garrett. I quite like that. If, as we track these theme songs, like they do get like progressively darker and edgier and moodier as he gets older. And this is, as you said, it's just like if they went to a, a cowboy themed bar in Toy Story, this is the song that would be playing in the background. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's actually a fun uh, AMW fact in that Storm and Harris actually got the job in TNA because they were doing like a, a test show on NWA Wildside, just, you know, to see the test production, to test the chemistry of the announcers. They have Mike Slane and Don West there just calling the show to to build up some chemistry beforehand. And I think it was the main event of that show was Chris Harris against James Storm. And they absolutely tore it up and they were offered deals on the spot. Like they weren't guys that were considered like backbone of the company, guys that they were bringing in as like the, the hot young acts immediately. And they got the job based on just being happening to be there and having a great main event on that setup show. And now here we are all these years later talking about his, their theme songs. Uh, it, it does, this theme doesn't really, because this theme, I think uh, Storm actually used this the week before when he came up with Psychosis, I believe. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's very much a James Storm theme more than a Chris Harris theme. And the basis of the early days of AMW was that Chris Harris was really mad at James Storm's cowboy stuff, which is quite amusing. Like George Storm would have those pop guns. You'd be shooting them in the air and Harris would be rolling his eyes at him. It's like, oh, get out of here with this corny cowboy stuff. So he must have hated the theme song. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it goes in line with who James Storm was at the time. He wasn't this, you know, crazy beer drinker or darker cult leader character guy or whatever. He was still, you know, early days, still very young and fresh faced. And uh, like you said, coming out with the cap guns, twirling them around, firing them around. Yeehaw! So it was a real lighter take on the character and uh, a far cry from the more serious character he'll be later on. So I think having a more upbeat, light-hearted song at this point, it, it makes a lot of sense there, Garrett. Yeah, he was, he was just a caricature of a cowboy then, and this theme is a caricature of a cowboy theme. It works. Mm -hmm. Now, we played an instrumental there, uh, but he did come out to a version with lyrics on the actual shows. I couldn't find that one, so we had to play this one. Um, and the clip that I saw of him coming out to it... I couldn't really make out the words all that well. The only one I could hear clearly was cowboy. Do, 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 do. Um, probably stuff about like, you know, cattle rustling and six shooters and horses in there too, I imagine. But yeah. um, I guess, you know, if you just hear one word, cowboy, it's the most appropriate word to hear in this case, Garrett. You will have to just imagine it based on Andrew's rendition of it. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, in November of 02, AMW gets its new theme, and this one lasts about nine months or so until August of 03. This is by Dale Oliver, and it's called Crew.
So this is something that's more typical for AMW and James Storm. It's aggressive, it's hard rock oriented, um, based on a song by Motley Crue called Primal Scream. Uh, that's why it's called Crew and spelled C-R-U-E, the same as Motley Crue. Um, doesn't really make, uh, no pun intended, an impact in my mind there, Garrett. Not all that memorable. Um, I mean, it's fine. It's not bad or anything. But in terms of like comparing it to other AMW and James Storm themes, it just doesn't stack up there, Garrett. All right. So a reoccurring theme on my appearances on this podcast. Oh, boy. Here has, we go. Has been a defense of a Dale Oliver being accused of perhaps ripping off theme songs because uh, well, i think this is my fourth appearance we did uh jared we did spooky themes which had some i think abyss and uh, the new church in there and we did jeff hardy this and is your fifth actually what was my fifth loki oh we did loki too there the we Loki. Go. Episode, i've even yeah. forgotten about loki <laughs> um dale you make it hard for me to defend you when you call the song crew <laughs> <laughs> It's difficult to sustain the bit when you leave the the, the little breadcrumbs toward your quote unquote inspirations in the theme song, Dale. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm with you. I think the song is it's very much of an era when a lot of like TNA themes didn't have an identity. You know, they had Jarrett's theme, they had AJ's theme, they had Scott Hall's marvelous theme, which is thoroughly original. Um, uh, <laughs> but for the most part, the rest of the stuff on the show then just sounded very generic. And a lot of people came out to a variation of what would become Abyss's theme and all those kind of generic themes. And the the Born, Born and Raised in the USA song, all those songs. And th- like, this is obviously, it was AMW's theme. It wasn't like a generic song that like a hundred people had, but it also sounded like a song that wasn't particularly written for America's Most Wanted. And it's just, ah, give them that one. It sounds fine. Yeah, it's a song that wasn't used by anyone else, but it could have been, right? Like, there's no distinguishable AMW markers in this song at all. Could have belonged to any number of wrestlers or tag teams at the time. So, um, so it is what it is. You know, they did have a few remixes of this song. One had a Thunder intro. But um, for the most part, I think this is one of those themes. And like Cowboy 2, it's one of those themes that is just kind of lost to time. And uh, it's just kind of forgotten about by people, Garrett, so... If if Perry Saturn had walked out to this music randomly on a TNA show, you'd be like, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> That's what the song exactly. is. <laughs> right, right. So theme number three, and this will be the final AMW theme, but it's the one they had the longest until the team split up in 06. So for over three years, actually. And this includes all their other NWA tag team title wins, the Triple X feud, the Naturals feud, and of course the heel turn which we'll get to soon. We have two versions of this theme here. Uh, Let's play the first one. It's by Dale Oliver. It's the first version of Guilty.
So this is, I think, the song that people associate with AMW the most. I know I do. Uh, they had this the longest in their career, of course. And it's funny, you know, if you just listen to the music part of it, it's pretty basic. Not much there to it. A couple of guitar riffs there, very standard stuff. Uh, again, very hard rock oriented, so it fits the team, I guess. But um, when you add in that vocal drop, that we find the defendants guilty, and the gavel bang, that gives the song its own unique thing, its own marker to make it stand out, to make it memorable. Um, so even though James Storm has had a lot of themes since this one, and a lot of themes that I think were actually better than this one, to be honest, I still remember this one really fondly. Um, partly because of nostalgia, of course, but, you know, as simple as it is, the riffs, the vocal drop, the gavel bang, it, it all just works so well together, Garrett. It, it just feels right as a song. Yeah, AMW, this AMW theme is the one I probably have, of this out, out of all the themes on this list, the most nostalgia for. Just because, like, I have so much nostalgia for that. Particularly the early years of Impact, like 2005, 2006 Impact in particular, where they would have been the dominant tag team. Like, from October to June, October 05 to June 06 is when they had the longest reigning NWA title run ever. So, like, they were pervasive in this era. Obviously, they had variations of that theme during this theme during that time as well. But I have so much nostalgia for this theme song. Like, this, this, I, I, I love it so much. Uh, and every so often, I go, like, a while. It actually happened to me twice listening to these songs again. I go a while without listening to these songs. And I listen to Guilty, and I'm just like, oh... And as you said, it's not even like that great a piece of music. It's pretty generic. It's like, yeah, it's fine. But I, I, I really don't know what it is. It just takes me back to that era of TNA because, like, you know, them and AJ particularly were like the, 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 the most featured acts. You know, they were the tag team face of the company. Jarrett was the heavyweight face of the company. And AJ was the ex face of the company. Uh, so when I think of that era, I think of AJ's theme song and I think of Jarrett's theme song better or worse <laughs> think of amw's theme song jared's theme song is great what am i doing the song is great i shouldn't project feelings about jeff jared you on were the on the episode for god's sake come on <laughs> i probably called it like the greatest song in the history of songs or something <laughs> on the episode uh, but yeah I, i've so much nostalgia for this version of this theme and it, it's very similar to crew in that like if perry saturn came out to just the, the tune of this song during this era you wouldn't bat an eyelid either but as you said, it is that we find the defendants guilty. And even the, the bit later in the song, where it's like, do, 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 do. I'm not good at humming songs. You're much better at that than I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this is peak nostalgia for me. I love this theme song. Yeah, I mean, it just it brings back memories of them coming out and doing the pose on the ramp and the pyro going off and all that stuff. It's Again, it's all very simple stuff. But it works. And the cohesiveness of the gimmick makes it work. America's Most Wanted. They're outlaws. We find the defendants guilty. Uh, their finisher is called the Death Sentence. One of them is a cowboy. Like, everything about them was in sync. And I think that's why they were such a great tag team. And why people who watched them back in the day remember them so fondly, Garrett. And it's it's interesting that the the, the 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 act kind of revolved a lot more around Storm. I know I was joking about Harris hating the cowboy stuff at the start, but you, you know you're talking about that, you know America's most wanted outlaws cowboy stuff. All that came more from the Storm side than the Harris side. And and looking back on those two as a team in the Asylum days in the Nashville days, everyone's like, oh, Harris is the star of this team. Undeniably, you look at the two of them. Harris is the star. Storm is the the guy who's like no one would say Storm is bad. But Storm was the 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 Genetti of the team, if you will. Um, 
and and watching that flip and it happened over the duration of this theme song which is why i bring it up over this theme song uh watching that flip over time as james storm increasingly found his own personality and found like his own sense of humor and harris went to WWE and his career fell apart which is very unfortunate and i think i've done i i'm not sure i've probably done it on this podcast but my rant about how people remember Braden walker or remember chris harris a lot more for Braden walker instead of chris harris being like just an exceptional wrestler in that era is really unfortunate and I don't like it. And people remember for Chris Harris for being really good, please. But uh, yeah, watching the, the, over the period of this theme song is when James Storm came into his own as a performer. And eventually it, like, it was a no brainer. Like this guy is like uber charismatic. He's a great wrestler. He's going to be like, especially when Harris left, obviously he's going to be the guy. And that, that, that particularly like if you go back and you remember stuff like the team 3d, 3D funeral, or Harris was just the, or Storm was just the best, and he was trying to piss in their caskets and all that fun stuff. <laughs> and uh, this theme song brings me back to all of those moments and their feuds with Triple X and their feuds with Team Canada and their feuds with the Naturals. Uh, they're forever feud with the Naturals. They were longtime rivals with the Naturals until the Naturals also just went the way of the Dodo. <laughs> and uh, the second version we'll play here. Uh, they started using after they shockingly turned heel in late 05 and joined forces with the villainous Jeff Jarrett as part of his uh, Planet Jarrett stable, getting Gail Kim as their valet. Let's hear the second version of Guilty. So it's essentially the same as the first one, um, but they did add those synths in there. They're not like scary synths, um, but they do sound pretty serious and menacing, I think. So for a heel version of a theme, it's a little touch that works, I think, Gary. And I think the subtle thing is like they they kind of remove the we we, uh, find the defendants guilty at the start, which I think is designed to get a reaction. And it goes... And it goes straight into like the der, 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 uh, which uh, is, I think it's a heel thing, you know? They, they, they don't want the catchphrase at the front that gets the babyface reaction. They want it to come into the song. They don't want like the, the visceral reaction. Right, right. And I think in this case, the basicness of the song works in its favor, where the genre, the guitar riffs, it can work as a face or a heel theme either way. But I think those synths, they do give it like a sinister tone, which nudges it over the line into heel theme territory there, Gary. And they had one more version, which we're not going to play, but it was right at the end when they turned Babyface again to feud with LAX. And it was just like, I think there was six before it came into the We Find the Defendants Guilty. And like, I'm not sure what the point of that one was. I don't like that version. It, it's, it takes too long to get to the point, but they did have one more. It's like the uh, the Kurt Angle ECW mix. It is. It's like, is the CD skipping? What's going on here? They want people to pop for him three times. It's the opposite of what I was saying with the heel. It's a dead, dead. Oh, it's Kurt. It's like, oh, it's still Kurt. Okay, it's still Kurt. <laughs> yeah. So uh, at the end of 2006, AMW turned face again and uh, feud with the big new heel team on the block, LAX. And they have a match where if they lose, AMW have to split up. And uh, lo and behold, 
James Storm picks up a beer bottle, smashes it over Chris Harris's face, blinds him in one eye, and AMW are no more. Four and a half years together, done, over, end of an era. James Storm is now a singles heel with a new valet, Miss Jackie Moore, and away we go. And of course, that leads to the Storm-Harris feud, which culminates in a match that you mentioned earlier, Garrett. I think it's one of the most underrated matches in the entire company's history, which is the Texas Death Match from Sacrifice 07. Just a crazy, bloody, phenomenal match. They destroyed each other. Because like, uh, the funny part is, the month before lockdown, oh, they had the blindfold match. Worst match, maybe, in the company's which history. Is one of the worst matches in the history of TNA. And then the <laughs> month later, they come right back with that just bloodbath that is the Texas death match, where those two just kill each other relentlessly. And what is quite mirac- miraculous is like they won a losing team disband or AMW have to disband match at the end of 2006, and they haven't teamed in TNA since. They 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 adhere to the stipulation. Pretty crazy, pretty crazy, yeah. Um, and Chris Harris won that crazy match in the feud. And um, at the time, honestly, I was one of those people who thought, okay, Chris Harris. He's a singles wrestler now. This will be his launch pad to being a big babyface star in the company. He'll be a big deal in the company now. But then nothing happened. He had the Christian Cage feud. He had the Black Rain feud. And he kept getting less and less screen time. And then he was just gone a few months later to be Braden Walker in ECW for a few weeks and, and be a meme for the rest of his career. Which is a shame because, you know, I could have bet money on Chris Harris being like a career rival for James Storm in TNA for years and years to come. But it never happened. And it's a shame that, you know, people remember Chris Harris more for what he didn't do, in a sense, than what he did do. And again, it's so sad because he was a great wrestler in a fantastic tag team with some amazing matches. But because of other people's bad creative or whatever, he had to suffer for it. And that's just the way it went for him, unfortunately. And the sad part is he probably would have gotten there in the end had he stayed. You know, if, if he had never left TNA, he was doing nothing but in TNA by the end of 2007. As he said, he did that Christian feud, which he, won, he main evented Slammiversary. He was in the King of the Mountain match. Went into the Christian feud and then just fizzled and fizzled and fizzled and left. And he came back for that brief uh, 2011 match against Beer Money. If you remember that. Chris Harris and Matt Hardy against Beer Money. What a match. <laughs> Uh, but uh, he probably would have gotten there if he had stayed. You know, there, there would, they would, they would have come back around to Chris Harris at some stage. In the same way, James Storm got there in the end, because like James Storm wasn't exactly the the most pushed entity at the end of two thousand eight either, or two thousand seven either. So uh, it's it, it it really is sad that this guy who had all of this potential. He went to ECW. He ruined all of his career immediately, and he just he just never recovered. At any stage, because him and Storm, I think, have done one match together since. They did a charity match against the Naturals, and I think it was like 2017. And Chris Harris actually was meant to be on the, uh, if you remember, the TNA show last year. That's right. That's right. He was meant to be... he was meant to be one on the, the TNA No Place. There's no place I call him. That was the name of that show, which was the reunion show. He was meant to be on that on that show, which at least you know it would have had him pop up, be somewhat relevant for a moment. Which is again, the pandemic took that from us too. It's ruining Chris Harris's career, <laughs> his big comeback. But 
it, it's it's really unfortunate. Like Chris Harris was a great pro wrestler. Please don't remember him as Braden Walker. Please don't go back and watch the AMW matches. Go back and watch the Texas Death Match. Even watch that match against Christian. Like that was a really good match too at Victory Road 2006. Like please, please remember him as a good pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I seem to remember that he was only in the King of the Mountain match because Jeff Jarrett had to pull out because his mm-hmm. wife had died. Yep. And at the time, Harris was feuding with LAX too. So it's not like he was on the upward swing anyway. But again, you do wonder what could have been if he had stayed and stuck it out, what he could have done. Um, you like to think positively, of course, and think that he would have gotten a nice big run. But um, you just, you, you never know. You never know, Garrett. Yeah, at the same time, he's like, he could have just been a PD as a guy who's like, oh, and then he eventually just fizzles out anyway. And then he'd be sad. So who knows? Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, James Storm is now a singles guy during this time period, 07, 08. And he's drinking beer and hitting super kicks and spouting off his new catchphrase, sorry about your damn luck. And it just so happens that that phrase is also the name of his first real proper singles theme in the company. It's by Dale Oliver and Serge Salinas off of Meltdown, the music of TNA Wrestling Volume 2. It's called Sorry. About your damn luck. So this is, again, Storm's first real singles theme in TNA, and uh, I think it's a damn good one. It's Southern Rock, Outlaw Country, and uh, that fits him quite well. It's not like the chipper, fun, bright song that Cowboy was. Um, this one has some grit and attitude to it, but that works because it matches his character at the time, which was this this heel, beer-drinking shit-kicker. So, you know, uh, the music is on point. The vocals and lyrics are on point, and uh, yeah, this is a great song. Um, I, I do think that Longnecks and Rednecks stole the spotlight from it later on, because it was used more, but um, still, this should get some love, Gary. It's really good. This, is along with the AMW theme, is the other theme that I forget how much I liked. Like, every time I hear this song, it's like, oh, this is actually a really damn good theme song. And when you dig into the lyrics, it tells you exactly who he is. He fights, he drinks, he doesn't give a damn what he thinks, he wins, sorry about your damn luck. That's that's all you need to know about James <laughs> Storm. There he is, right there, in all of the theme song. And I love, again, this is, as I said, this is the theme song that every time I, because as you said, like he has the more famous, he has the beer money themes, he has the, the long necks and rednecks in particular that people now remember him for. And like long necks and rednecks is still his theme to this day, even though it's a different version. But th- this is the theme song where he's like, I'm striking. It's very much like the Christian uh, at last year on your own theme song equivalent of James <laughs> exactly, Storm. Yeah. It's like, I'm on my own. And this theme song is telling you who I am in a way that is very catchy and begins the, the streak of absolute banger Dale Oliver and Serge Salinas songs that we're going to run through here, with the exception of a stable theme. That 
a, a, a remarkable combination. Who knew that I would like the sound of Dixie Carter's husband's singing voice? <laughs> <laughs> That's where we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's great. I mean, it references the boots, represents the hat. Watch out for me in the bottle. I'm making a name by myself. Don't need anyone else's help. So he's a singles guy now. It's a good job here by Dale and Serge in capturing where James Storm is uh, as a character and in his career. Um, and again, you know, Dale and Serge, they're country guys, they're southern guys, that's their bread and butter. So it's no shock then that they're really good at making this type of theme song, Garrett. Yeah, and they nail it over and over again, which is I, like listening to these Storm theme songs, because in preparation for this podcast, I set them on a playlist and just listen to them back to back to back to back. And obviously, aside from the first two, which are just like more generic, you know, we have a theme song for these guys from Guilty onwards. I like all of these songs. I love some of them. Like, bare minimum, I like all of them. And some of them I absolutely adore. So, like, like he, I don't think he's had a dud of a theme song, which is remarkable. And it's uh, it, obviously, again, it's down to Sir Salinas's wonderful singing voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny. I remember back in the day when this song uh, was first started being used by him, I was looking online for it everywhere. You know, every YouTube page, every forum, where is this song? Where is this song? And like the young, simple boy that I was, I'd find something called James Storm's New Entrance Theme. Click here. And I click it. And the thing is, this song is based. Sorry, Garrett. How dare you? How dare you? (laughs) It's based on a song called Electric Rodeo by Shooter Jennings, who is Waylon Jennings' son. And that's a great song. But whenever I would click on... James Storm's new entrance theme, what I would get was a crappy TV recording of Sorry About Your Damn Luck. And they would just play Electric Rodeo, the actual song, just slow down a little bit to match the tempo of the theme song. And every time it was like, oh, awesome, I found the theme song finally. Oh, God damn it, it's the real song. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I got tricked again, God damn it. Uh uh, same was true for the first Motor City Machine Guns theme, too. I would always just get the real song, 1977. Um, but I got them eventually, and I was a happy boy. But, uh, man, those days of 06 and 07, they were just a different time when it came to the availability of theme songs. It was like, it was the Wild West as far as I was concerned, Garrett. <laughs> the, my version of that theme song was the heel remix of I Am. Oh, uh, same. Yeah, same for that one, too. And yeah. as I said, it's the same thing. You'd always be like, AJ style, new theme song. And it would just be someone taking the original I Am and just slowing it down. And it's you like, are, no. You are, you <laughs> are, I am, I. Exactly, of course. <laughs> How could they do this to me? I mean, oh, God, remember those days when you'd have to literally dig under the earth just to find some of these theme songs as they debut on television? Yeah, we've uh, come a long way, that's for sure. Where it's now, snap your fingers and... Themes are up there automatically on Spotify or YouTube or whatever. So, um, Though it, you give out about production tracks, but the fact that everyone's using a production track means that all these songs are easier to find. I know, <laughs> I know. It, it's a real give and take, unfortunately. Uh, that's the way it goes there. So. so as 2008 rolled along, Storm started teaming up with another former tag wrestler turned singles heel, Robert Roode, the former Bobby Roode from Team Canada, who had like a, a Wall Street financial rich guy gimmick, that sort of thing. So when it came time to get a tag team name, they came up with Beer Money Incorporated. Which, by the way, is a double pun. Because beer money is a phrase, and Money Inc. 
was the old tag team with DiBiase and IRS. So some clever wordplay there, Gerda. I appreciate that. Yeah, I actually never put that together. (laughs) (laughs) You have blown my mind on this podcast. (laughs) Like, good God, of course it's Money, Inc. And like the the Incorporated just kind of dropped away eventually and they were just Beer Money eventually. But yeah, yeah, Beer Money Incorporated. Yeah, well, that's so smart. (laughs) And uh, as far as tag themes go, they did use a bunch of various themes. They used Sorry About Your Damn Luck. They used Rude's theme, No More Fears, uh, with various stingers, of course. Sorry about your damn luck and beer, money. So they had a plethora of temporary themes. And it actually took Dale and Surge like over a year before they wrote the permanent theme, Take a Fall, which is a long time for a a proper tag team to get their own theme song, Garrett. And they even did an instrumental version of Take a Fall for a while as well. So like they didn't even nail the final version of Take a Fall for a while because they did have the beer money and the instrumental version of Take a Fall before they added the lyrics. So, and as you said, there was like probably like six or seven different variants of like mashup themes, some of which I liked, some of which were monstrosities <laughs> um, between the storm and the root themes that they just mushed together until they're like, let's just do their own song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, funny enough, they were already three time TNA tag team champions before they actually got this one. So, uh, yeah, quite a while there. <laughs> um What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. First, it was an instrumental, as you said, but uh, we'll play the one with vocals and lyrics. This is, again, Dale Oliver and Serge Salinas off of the album Emergence, the music of TNA Wrestling. It's called Take a Fall. both a really great theme and a really great mashup theme too of sorts because it takes the music of Rude's singles theme No More Fears and it puts in some country flair with the strings so it's not like they took Sorry About Your Damn Luck and mashed it with No More Fears to create this awkward sounding thing but they still took a hard rock song and injected it with some southern flavor just like the tag team you know these two different worlds colliding into something pretty amazing. And I think the end result here with this theme song, it's got drive, it's catchy, it explains the tag team really well, and it has the amazing stinger with the beer, money, which they would go on to do in the ring before their finishers. So it did take a while to get this theme song, but it was well worth the wait, I think, Garrett. 
And I think, like, I imagine the majority of people listening to this wouldn't even realize it's still Rude's theme song. Like, I really don't think most people would notice that. Like, it's it's so remixed and remixed so well. It, it's, it's Rude remixed in the spirit of Storm, which I think is what Beer Money ended up being. Because, like, Beer Money is more Rude as Storm than Storm as Rude in the end. And that's what the theme song reflects. Because, like, both those guys actually followed, like, pretty much identical career paths. You know, Rude coming out of Team Canada and Storm coming out of AMW were the big heel guys coming out, the new singles guys. Both the guys had a, had a valet, Tracy Brooks and, and Jackie Moore. Both guys kind of, they didn't flop. I think flop is harsh, but eventually... Mid-carters for the yeah, most part. Mid-carters, for mid-carters yeah. with no real direction before they eventually were just like, you two just go together for a while, see how it goes. And they end up being one of the best companies. I'm still more of an, an AMW guy, but they're still one of the best tag teams in the history of the company. And that's that's what this team kind of does. It, it, it pushes, as you said, very eloquently. It, it pushes these two worlds together that shouldn't really work, but end up forming tremendous chemistry and being extremely catchy. Yeah, real like machine guns energy, where you've got Saban and Shelley, these two singles guys who are just kind of put together one day, and wouldn't you know it, they're a pretty damn great tag team. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Um, and like with Sorry About Your Damn Luck, uh, the lyrics of this song sum up the tag team really well. He's from the country, he's from the city. You better step aside, you better run and hide, when the dirt road and blacktop collide. Watch your money and your alcohol, because when the tide rolls out and the ships go down, you know you're going to take a fall. Basically, one guy loves money, one guy loves booze, and together, they'll kick your ass and win the match. And yeah, that's beer money to a T. It's literally the wrestling version of Country Mouse and City Mouse. That That's <laughs> it. So I think the song does a great job of summing up A, who they are, and B, their effectiveness as a team, Garrett. And they did bury production tracks a second ago, but like, this is why you write your own theme songs, you know? <laughs> Instead of just having like some production track or some generic song about beer or song because some country song you found in the APM music library or whatever music library you happen to use, you find the, the you write this track that like sums up these people and makes what what should what was a throwaway like the put them together tag team. Let's put no thought into it. These two guys are doing nothing. We'll put them together and have them do something with LAX. And you turn that into something that's like distinct and new and different and tells you who they are. And I, I so miss that. And so many pro wrestling themes on this now. Right, right. And, you know, whichever side you fall on when it comes to AMW versus beer money, I do think that this theme is better than any AMW theme, bar none. Oh, undeniably, it, yes. I will, I will co-sign it. it. Sounds, yeah, it sounds more complete. It sounds more distinct than those themes do. Better produced. Um, and in a way, I do think it's a small reason as to why Beer Money is the more remembered tag team than AMW. Um, obviously, them being more recent has the bulk to do with it. But I think Beer Money having this really catchy, fun theme uh, gives them a little advantage in the memorable department there, Garrett. And it does help that they were on the era of impact with those watched by more people. Well, that's but, true too. Yeah, yeah. And the, even even the stingers, even like the beer money, is more catchy than the uh, uh, we, we find, find the defendants, defendants guilty. Yeah. So it does win on all counts. Yeah, it's it's a great theme for sure. Yeah, and a good era for themes too in TNA because I think this is great. I love the D'Angelo De Niro theme, the Machine Guns theme at this time. 
Motor City is also really good um, off the same album. So yeah, it's a really, really good mix of themes at this time of the company. You get the surprisingly catchy suicide theme. Songs about suicide shouldn't be so catchy. It's, it's, it's actually like... Very it, dangerous. It's, it's unethical Very, uh, to have yeah. songs about suicide be so catchy. Yeah. So uh, in 2010, Beer Money joins a new stable formed by Nature Boy Ric Flair and meant to be the successor to the Four Horsemen. It initially had Beer Money, AJ Styles, and Kazarian, but then it grew to have Doug Williams, Matt Morgan, and Christopher Daniels. The group was called Fortune... F-O-U-R-T-U-N-E. Get it? Uh, but then they dropped the U. Um, so yeah, again, Garrett, I gotta say, very clever wordplay on their part. Yeah. They should have put, called it Fortune, which was just the, the, the number four. And you, <laughs> T-U-N-E. Mm. There you go. <laughs> Make it more obnoxious. Why not? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Fortune theme is again by Dale Oliver. It's called Fortune Four. Fortune four. Fortune four. Fortune four. Fortune four. We bout to chase things. We bout to chase things. Fortune four. Fortune four. We bout to chase things. So far, we've played primarily hard rock, southern rock, country, that sort of ballpark. Uh, and those all fit James Storm really well, which makes the switch to rap rock here a bit of a left turn at Albuquerque. Now, now to be fair, this is not a James Storm theme. This is a fortune theme. It's for the whole group. But still, after everything that came before this theme and everything that comes after this, it, it's a jarring step in the road, Garrett. Listen, when you look at the group that was Fortune, and you have Doug Williams, and Matt Morgan, and Ric Flair, and Frankie Kazarian, and all the, the, this weird hodgepodge, and Desmond Wolf kind of for a while, but they never let him in and kicked him out in the end. And this weird collection of people. And then, to match it, you have a very weird collection of genres. As you said, this is a rap rock song that feels like it's through the lens of, which it is, because it's a Dale Oliver song, through the lens of somebody who prefers to write country music. Because <laughs> like even like we about to change some things. Thanks, yeah. It's yeah. like is exactly what I think a country music person thinks rap sounds like, and that I actually I like this song. I, I will be hey. ashamed. With this. <laughs> it's kind of an abomination. I won't deny it, but I find it weirdly catchy. We played this um, originally way, 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 way back on the AJ Styles episode. And um, back then, Chris and I had some things to say about... We had some things to say about this one. <laughs> um, not a masterpiece by any stretch. Um, the lyrics are just incredible. <laughs> In-ring show where they know at. Fortune 4 bringing on the bitch slap. From the way we dress, the way we roll. Fast cars, pretty girls, and lots of dough. 
It's all about the fame, all about the fortune, all the right moves, sex of the motion. The money Whatever the that bl- means. <laughs> the money and the bling bling, they shower over me. We're masters of the in-ring. We're going to change some things. So those lyrics, they were either written by a 13-year-old white boy trying to be gangsta, or in reality by a 40-year-old southern rock musician named Dale Oliver trying to write his best rap lyrics. I mean, sex of the motion, bling bling. I, I mean, look, I love my fair share of cheesy wrestling themes, including on this very episode here. But this might be a step too far there, Karen. Just the line, fortune is my destiny, crazy on my enemies. Like, <laughs> that doesn't even work. That's not even, like, coherent. <laughs> but I still find it kind of catchy. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I have the worst musical taste, as you will come to learn. Because <laughs> I'm like, for do 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 do. I I I. Fair, if you take the lyrics, I do think the beat is kind of catchy. Maybe that's why I like it. But hmm. I also thought Fortune were like I I didn't like the like four horsemen knockoff thing. I thought that was kind of lame. Though they did do the cool hand motion where they drop the ring finger and use the thumb instead for the four. But. I, I like it was a cool stable. It was the cool people in the company at the time. Yeah, it was like Styles, Storm, Rude, Kaz, and obviously expanded. But I mean, they shouldn't have expanded to include Morgan and Williams, but it did. Uh, and when they did the big split from um, uh, Immortal, because like you had Fortune, then Fortune joined with Immortal. Then they wanted the main event Mafia to return to feud with all of Immortal, but then Kevin Nash and Booker T went back to WWE, so Fortune split from Immortal as the second day uh, and became babyfaces. And I thought they were quite cool then. They had they they had like a, they did have a coolness because I remember I would have been at like TNA house shows during this era in like 2000 uh sorry 2011 when they were on the uk tour and when like kazarian would come out to this music it would be like yeah this this guy's cool it felt like the most relevant kazarian had ever been yeah i mean on paper it's a super group i mean you got aj beer money kazarian daniel's coming in later like this is a great group of guys here but to me when you're coming out to fortune four gonna change some things sex of the motion we are we are like it just it puts a hamper on things garrett no it's catchy <laughs> All right, well, to each their own, I guess, to each their own. Um, But I will say this, I will say this. You have to recognize at least this. Having a song called Fortune 4, when Fortune would go on to have more than four members in it. I mean, mean, come on, Garrett, right there, come on. Even technically, Flair was a member of Fortune. It always had five members. Yeah, yeah. It never had four people in it. Some uh, some some poor brainstorming there, I guess, <laughs> coming up with group name. Um, no, but I guess you know... that, that was during the era where they'd ice Ric Flair. Remember that? Do you remember icing people? Or like he'd pick up a like a towel and there'd be a drink under it, and be like, "Now you have to drink the drink, Rick." It's like, okay, what a weird time. Do you not remember that? I don't remember that. Oh, it was like a Muller Ice thing. No, not Muller Ice. What's the name of that drink that's called Ice? Smirnoff ice. Smirnoff ice. There we go. Muller ice is a yogurt. Smirnoff um, <laughs> like a Smirnoff ice where they did like a bottle of Smirnoff ice and then you have to drip down it. And they brought that onto television for some reason and did it like five times. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's encourage Ric Flair's drinking habits. Why not? Right? Let's. Good idea there. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a healthy thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So all good things must come to an end. Beer money breaks up at the end of 2011 because. Bobby Roode had won the Bound for Glory series and challenged Kurt Angle for the world title. He lost, and then James Storm challenged for the belt, 
and he won. He became the new TNA World Champion, his only reign as champion, and uh, it didn't last very long, just a couple weeks, because Rude challenged Storm for the title, and this time it was Storm who got hit with a beer bottle and turned on by his partner. So Rude turns heel, wins the belt, and beer money is no more, at least for now. So a little uh, poetic irony there with the beer bottle there, Garrett. Yeah, that's uh, my favorite heel turn in the history of TNA by a landslide. I think the way that heel turn was executed was tremendous. Because uh, if you go back and the way this, because the way that heel turn worked, and it's the thing you always have the problem with most heel turns, is that like he wrestles a fifteen-minute match and then turns heel at the end. Why didn't he just hit him with the beer ball at the start? But my the, my favorite part of that turn is like Rude is on the floor and he just looks at the beer bottle and he sees it. And like, it's just the point in order. He didn't go into that match to screw James Storm, but he saw that beer bottle. He saw temptation and he gave into it and he betrayed his partner to become world champion after he failed against Angle. And I really love, and it was really like, we give talk about cinematic shooting and someone will tell me to read a book. Um, <laughs> but, but the, cinema, the way that was shot where like they, they framed the beer bottle over Rude's shoulder and it just happened to be there as if it was fate. And Rude, decided in that moment he would take the opportunity that he tried to earn like the the right way at Bound for Glory and then Kurt Angle screwed him by grabbing the ropes even though the, that finish just didn't work at all. I hate that match. Um, I was so mad about that. It's actually one of the things where I will freely admit I was absolutely wrong but uh, I was so mad when Rude lost the Angle and then when uh, when I was like Oh, they've bungled it. Rude will never recover. And what they actually did was much better with the turn. Though I will still, I will forever be upset that the main event of the Bound for Glory the following year wasn't Storm and Rude because, like, that's what it should have been. It should have been Storm beating Rude to win the title back. They had the story there, and they bailed on it. And like, they bailed on it probably for decent reasons because Austin Aries got a little hot, and you know they pulled the trigger on Aries, which I'll, I won't be like, all oh, right, you you should never pull the trigger on somebody's hot. But they had the story, and they were telling the story, and they bailed on the story, and they still did Storm and Rude at Bound for Glory that year, but it just didn't feel the same. It felt like a consolation prize. See, once you get steady start, started talking about these things, it's like, never uh, listen, man. That's why you're on here, okay? You're just a you're a fountain. It just keeps pouring right out of you. <laughs> just gonna keep talking about storm and root stories. But uh, but yeah, theme, song. theme songs, yes, theme songs, yes. <laughs> uh, James Storm, yes, now a singles wrestler again. This time as a face, and his new singles theme is by once again Dale Oliver and Serge Salinas. It's called Sorry, Chris. Long necks and rednecks. Sorry about your damn luck. I'm a creek swimming, moonshine sipping, beer skinning, beer drinking, Johnny Cash listening. So yes, way back on the very first episode 
of this podcast, Chris buried this song. He put it in his bottom five themes at the time. And you know what, Chris? Again, I'm so sorry, buddy. I just, I enjoy this song a lot. I do. I think it's very fun. It's delightful. It's essentially a face version of Sorry About Your Damn Luck. You know, same genre, same message with the lyrics. He's a drinking man. He walks alone. He loves his beer. He loves his women. He'll drop you to your knees. I'm coming to your town. Watch out. It's the same message, but the song is so much more upbeat and crowd-pleasing than Sorry About Your Damn Luck is. So I think it was a good job here by Dale and Surge to take that previous theme and update it and rework it into this face version for this new face run of James Storm's career here, Garrett. Yeah, hard to agree. To, uh, hard to agree, even not hard to agree. Uh, this, this song is a direct sequel to, to Sorry About Your Damn Luck in that it is much more upbeat. It's much more like... And, and like this is this is James Storm. It's it, it's a subtle difference. The the, the uh, sorry about your damn luck is telling you to who James Storm is. I feel like this is like James Storm telling you who he is. Like there's there's like that degree of confidence in there. Like I ain't no preacher man. I am who I am. I got a ball in my hand. I'm a drinking man. You know he knows who he is now, as opposed to back in like the the 08, 07, 08 days where the, like he was finding his feet in his own. He was just coming out of AMW. He wasn't like this distinct character quite yet. Who had like had his own like identity nailed down, whereas now and like he's come through that, he's come through beer money, he's he's very much his own man. And actually, a rare uh, tag team split, both of whom came out with great theme songs. That rarely happens. Usually, someone gets a dud and somebody gets a good one. Or as uh, yeah, off the chain, off the chain Oopsie. is also a banger. So good job, they actually nailed that one. Um, but yeah, there's like a confidence to the song that that. I think matched where Storm was in his career and like that uh, 2011 2012 era of TNA was very much like the you know Sting falling to the background Angle falling to the background and people like Storm and Rude and uh, Austin Aries and still supported by like the likes of Styles and Joe were, were kind of taking over the brand it was finally like the the, the homegrown guys taking over and being front and for, uh, for, uh, front and foremost that's the expression isn't it <laughs> um, of, of the show along with Jeff Hardy of course as well who's a just gigantic star but the, the, the young guys finally making good they were no longer just the guys lost in the shuffle they were taking ownership of the company yeah if i could use an appropriate analogy i think it's like the difference between a happy drunk and a mean drunk yeah like sorry about your damn luck is a mean drunk song it's very surly it's very um, acerbic this one it's a happy drunk song it's fun to listen to it's good to be around it's a good time i'm a creek swimming moonshine sipping Deer skinning, beer drinking, Johnny Cash listening, long necks and rednecks are my friends. It's very congenial. It's very, uh, very friendly. Damn luck. Again, there's an air of surliness and meanness about it. So it's good to show the difference between heel James Storm and face James Storm with the theme song. Um, and again, it's the same guy. You know, it's the same guy, same beer drinking cowboy. But depending on which side of the line he falls it changes the mood of the theme song in a very noticeable way. Yeah, and he, he still hits people with beer bottles all the time. It's just, it's a likable. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's the dude who hits the jerk in the, with a beer bottle in the, at the end of the bar fight instead of the dude who instigates the bar fight by blindsiding <laughs> somebody with a beer bottle. It's the subtle differences in the character. Right, right. And actually, they made a music video with this song with uh, Montgomery Gentry, the country act in it as like a cameo. Um, and it's exactly what you would expect 
a music video for this song to be. It's James Storm in a bar drinking beer with rednecks. There's good looking women. They're all having a good time. And there's like the one bad redneck trying to spoil the fun and James Storm takes care of the guy. And they also show shots of, you know, impact shows with James Storm in there. And uh, they also have Dale and Serge singing and playing guitar. So it's a real hoot, Garrett. Also, this uh, this was used as the theme song of Steve Austin's reality show, Redneck Island. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. There you go. It was, That aired for like, I think it's four or five seasons on CMT. And Long Necks and Right Necks was the theme song. Or at least it was for the first few seasons. Yeah, seasons one through three. There you go. Wow. I I did not realize that. That's incredible. Yeah. Which It, it was very weird at the time that like Steve Austin's show had a, a TNA theme song as its theme yeah. song. <laughs> of all the things, right. Yeah. So over the next few years, Storm plugs along and uh, has some feuds with guys like Rude and Aces and Eights. He wins the tag titles again with Gunner this time at Slammiversary 2013, and they're champions for a few months. And then the next year, Storm turns heel again. But this time, he wasn't the beer-drinking, sassy, fun heel that he was before. No, now he was a much more sinister character. And that would lead to him forming his own stable called The Revolution with Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Perry... Sa- oh, wait, no, no, no. Wrong revolution. Sorry about that, folks. Sorry about that. <laughs> Wrong guys. Yeah, it's with um, no, um, the- Kenny Omega and John Moxley. And uh, no, wait, that's that's the wrong revolution, too. Uh, not that one. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, he formed it with the Great Sonata, mm-hmm. Abyss, Manic, Koya a.k.a. Mahabali Shira, and for one week, Serena Deeb. So a rather eclectic mix of talent there, Garrett, I'd say. <laughs> Wait, by the way, as we record this, this is this will be going up on Wednesday, right? Tuesday. Tuesday. So, oh, as, as this goes up tonight, uh, James Storm will be teaming with Chris Saban to face Mahabali Shira and, and Rohit Raju on Impact. Ah. So the revolution explodes. It's still <laughs> exploding to this day. Koya, Shira comes together. Uh, that, that was such a weird group of people. Because like Sonata was this like like happy-go-lucky, colorful baby face wearing this blue gear with the blonde hair. Like every, everything that's like, you know, generic happy baby face. And then James Storm kidnapped him, trapped him in his shed and whipped him until he became this great mood knockoff, <laughs> which is a very strange story. Uh, Abyss was there and Abyss, like Abyss was during that era just wandering, you know, everything post the mortal with Abyss. There was like the Joe Park stuff. He had some feuds with Bram. He did some like stuff with Eric Young. Abyss just the, aimlessly wandering in those years. And it's like, yeah, sure. Let's, and he didn't actually find like real purpose until I think decay kind of brought him back around in the end but he did like and then like manic why <laughs> like, why what a bizarre group of human beings that, that you're putting with james storm's cult stable and this was this was wyatt family era wasn't it in nxt yeah this was uh 2014 so this was when they were on the uh, the main roster actually the main roster so like the, it would have drawn those i think unflattering comparisons to the wyatt family yeah, this is like a year or so of them being on the main roster. So it's it's a very strange group. Uh, I, I think James Storm is a big enough star and a charismatic enough person to lead a stable. I don't think this was particularly the stable, um, but the theme song is good. Yep, this new heel theme is by, yet again, Dale Oliver and Serge Salinas of the album Evolution 14. It's called Cut You Down. Oh, my God. 
themes on this episode before, but this is the first theme that I would call evil. You know, it's, it's not some surly, barroom, southern rock badass song. This is a dark and serious affair, because it's adapting the folk song God's Gonna Cut You Down, which is about, exactly, God cutting down the wicked and the evil. So the ominous religious overtones are quite heavy here. It starts off with the thunder as well. So the mood is really just dour and dark. And this was, you know, the darkest we had seen James Storm as a character in TNA. He's no longer the beer-drinking cowboy. He's this evil cult leader. So the choice to go in a darker direction for his theme song was the right one, Garrett. As, yeah, because if you go back to the 2007 era, like, Storm was like a cartoon cowboy still. He was a bad guy. But, like, he was doing beer-drinking championships with Eric Young. Like, he, he was in no way menacing. He was in no way sinister. He wasn't even particularly threatening. As opposed to here, where his theme song is like, I am an inevitable force that will have my justice inflicted upon you at any stage whatsoever. <laughs> it's, it's a very stark shift. As I said, the, the stable was formed initially by him kidnapping Sonata, uh, which uh, Sonata clearly became ungovernable because of and lost all of his charming wholesomeness. <laughs> but I, I like the song. I think it's a good, catchy song. Yeah, I enjoyed this song quite a lot, too, yeah. And the thing about it is there's all sorts of little touches that I love because the riff is essentially the same as Longnecks and Rednecks. So it's not an original song, but it's actually like a heel version of his previous theme, which is cool. And as well, the most famous version of God's Gonna Cut You Down is by Johnny Cash, who was name-dropped in Longnecks and Rednecks. So there's continuity between the two songs as well. There's also the lyric, Moonshine Runner, Cut You Down. Hellbent Gunner, Gonna Cut You Down. Who was Storm's tag partner before he turned heel? Gunner. So these little things in the song that, you know, if he didn't know about them, it takes nothing away. But if you do know them, it's a cool little Easter egg, Garrett. And uh, I think, again, the most famous version of the song has a, a whistle intro where it's like... I have no idea how whistling comes across on podcasts, so apologies. Um, <laughs> but uh, which again speaks to like all of James Storm's theme songs have these really distinct stingers. Even Fortune has like the Fortune Four. Do like you don't like, but like immediately you're not going to go, oh, who's that again? And same with Beer Money. Same with Sorry About Your Damn Luck. Same with AEW, AMW, and uh, like same with this. It has these really distinctive, like different sounding stingers that I. Again, I think every wrestling song needs because, you know, that's the the visceral reaction, the, the glass shattering, the if you smell what the rock is cooking, the thing people instinctively react to. And Storm's theme song has always had it, including this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that whistle adds to the creepiness, I think, because the, the thunder works too. But the whistle, there's something about it. It just, you know what it does? It gives you that image of like a horror movie yeah, where someone is hiding from the killer and the killer is just slowly walking around the area. It's, 
it's pretty creepy and scary, you know? And that's really effective when you're trying to portray this evil character who tries to uh, murder Mickey James on train tracks. So it, <laughs> it all comes together there, Garrett. And it ties it like in the lyrics. You can run on for a long time. You can run on for a very long time. You can run on a long time. But sooner or later, God will cut you down. Again, you can imagine that song playing in a film as someone walks through a graveyard at the middle of the night, stalking somebody while whistling. And that all comes together quite well, uh, even when you do push people in front of trains. And because like that, that was even weird because like the revolution was more or less gone by then. It was just kind of James Storm being a heel act. But then, as you said, Serena D came out. Became as part of the kind of act, basically as like for the mixed tag, it was Storm and Deeb against uh, Magnus and Mickey James. But yeah, it's 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 a good song. And again, James uh, Sir Salinas. This is clearly is it's a musical mathematics. So like it's a Hall of Fame musician. It's here. a winning trio. It's a winning trio. Dale, Serge, and James got some good stuff there. Yeah, they did know how to write for James Storm as well, didn't they? They certainly did. Yeah. So Storm leaves Impact in mid-2015 or so, uh, has a few matches in NXT, but ultimately he decides to return to Impact at the start of 2016. He reforms Beer Money for a few months, and then when Rude leaves to go to WWE, uh, Storm returns to being a singles wrestler with long necks and red necks as his theme. And that goes along for a few months until the summer when Storm turns heel again. And uh, Garrett, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. What happens is he wins the King of the Mountain Championship, mm-hmm. and then he wrestles world champion Lashley for both belts. World and, and X Division champion. Oh, thank All you, three. thank you. He would have won the match, but Earl Habner made a mistake, and that cost Storm the match. So mm-hmm. Storm is all upset, and he gets into a confrontation with then-TNA president Billy Corgan. Yes, that was a thing at one point. Um, Bizarre, usually wearing that weird black and white stripy jumper all the time on TV. <laughs> exactly, Very exactly, strange. yeah. And uh, Storm, he threatens Corgan, and Corgan suspends Storm indefinitely. Uh, do I have all that right so far, Garrett? Yep. Okay, so Storm is suspended, and then after that, these three mysterious men in white masks start showing up, called the DCC, the Death Crew Council. And they say they're not good guys or bad guys, but they're going to restore order to TNA. And they're attacking people left, right, and center. And eventually, it was revealed that the DCC were Bram, Eddie Kingston, and, of course, James Storm. And I believe, Garrett, that originally it was supposed to be the DCC versus Billy Corgan, but then Corgan left TNA before they could do it. Yeah, and it was a, it was a very this stable had a an, a very unfortunate history in that like they debuted, debuted with that purpose, and they didn't actually debut with that purpose until after the show where uh, I believe Impact was sold to Anthem, which was after Bound for Glory 2016, uh, which is when they actually like debuted reveal. I was actually at those tapings where they did the reveals and the run-ins and stuff, but after that, the group were just completely purposeless. <laughs> <laughs> Like they came in with this purpose, Billy was gone, and they were still just kind of there. And they were literally, they were more or less gone as a meaningful group because they did some stuff with Eddie and Edwards and the Hardy or the Hardys, particularly Jeff Hardy, uh, and then just fizzled and like they didn't get off the ground. But the best thing about them was their theme song. Yes, uh, the DCC theme is by Dale Oliver, Ducky Medlock, and Big Vinnie Mac with two G's. What names? It's called. When the smoke clears. (laughs) 
thing from earlier but unlike fortune 4 i don't mind this one i think it's it's pretty good you know it's not as cringy as fortune 4 is that's for sure um the lyrics your, your typical we're badasses don't mess with us when the smoke clears the battle's won a hero's born and the cowards have run when the smoke clears the dust settles down we'll be the ones left standing our ground and it does also reference them saying that they're not good guys or bad guys we're not vigilantes or superheroes and if you're on the wrong side, we're the ones you don't want to know. So I think that works. Um, what I'm saying, Garrett, really, is that I will take this over sex of the motion any day of the week. <laughs> Listen, they should have slipped sex of the motion in here just as an actual callback. <laughs> you know, we're not vigilantes or superheroes, sex of the motion. And if you're on the wrong side, <laughs> uh, I, I like this song. I don't think it particularly fits the group. In terms of like the visual aesthetic because they had like these white masks and suits kind of image and like i i this song did doesn't strike like particularly anarchists to me at least in terms of like genre or style it's in there in the lyrics a little bit but i i and i don't think that group worked as a group just as a, a trio of people like eddie kingston bram and james storm to just like that this is Eddie Kingston's first run on national television, really, and this is what he does, which is very unfortunate. And like he did actually, uh, uh, like uh, obviously he's doing tremendous work in AEW at the moment, but he also did tremendous work in 2018 TNA when he was doing the OGs and LAX stuff. Like the, the, there's six months of just great Eddie Kingston stuff on TNA or, or, or Impact Television that year. That if if you uh, didn't see, you should go back and watch. But uh, I wouldn't go back and watch the DCC stuff because it's. <laughs> It's just a nothing stable that like, and it's even weird because like there's kind of like two broad regime changes during the period in which this group existed because they debuted kind of like Billy was still in control of those like end of 2016 tapings, but it was obviously the last tapings he would have any influence on. Then there was like the start of 2017 tapings, which were like the transition period between the Billy regime and then what would become the Jarrett regime. And then, you know, March uh, 2017 was when Jarrett took over creative and like just turned the entire show upside down and there were still occasional like DCC appearances during that era but James Storm had almost moved on from the group at that stage and just become a cowboy again uh, so like like it's a weird five month stable that really only existed for two months but still existed longer than that with a, a core message that just never got built out because I don't even think they went in the direction of them trying to tear down Billy Corgan yet it was just kind of like vague we're coming here to liberate TNA where the, the kind of independent force that's going to bring justice to the world uh, but they, did, they didn't even get that far they just showed up for a few weeks and then fizzled out but i do like this theme song i think it's a good song yeah you've still got like a couple of touchstones to storm in it um yeah we're going full throttle drinking whiskey from the bottle so the drinking thing is in there ducky and big Vinny are both from tennessee which is where storm is from so the southern aspect is there as well uh, it's not like long necks and rednecks or whatever, but again, this is not a cowboy James Storm theme. It's a DCC theme. So the emphasis is going to be more on this badass group of guys and their their message and that, that aura, which I think the song does a good job in expressing. Um, the actual group, on the other hand, eh, not so much, I guess, Garrett. 
And Storm still used this theme in the NWA, didn't he? I think he did, yeah. But it was like a different version of it that was recorded yeah. by someone else. Um, but he did use the song in the NWA. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think it, it makes sense that the, I think the store this the theme does fit Storm more than it fits the DCC, which makes sense why he would repurpose it for his NWA theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, around this time, I was just so checked out of Impact and TNA for the most part. I I have no real memories of the DCC at all, uh, which might be a good thing, actually. Uh, the one thing I do remember about them, though, is that there was this weird vignette where this was after, I believe, they won that race for the case tournament mm-hmm. where they're sitting on this bench and wearing the masks and the suits and they're passing the case around like a hot potato. That's the only thing I remember about them. Do you remember that at all, Garrett? Not really. The main thing I remember from that era is they had a, a three-on-two handicap match against Eddie Edwards and Jeff Hardy, which was no DQ. And Eddie Edwards gave Kingston a suplex across a standing chair, but a, like back first across the ridge of the, sta- the, the just standing chair, and it looked like he broke his back. And it's it's amazing looking. And that's my only memory of that era of DCC. <laughs> As I, said, I was at those tapings, Andrew. I was there in person seeing a lot of this stuff, and I have very little memory of it. You've this. seen literally every piece of footage that TNA has ever put out, and you still don't remember that. <laughs> They're just such a forgettable group. <laughs> yeah, so uh, by the spring of 2017, Storm was now a face again, breaking up with Kingston and Bram. So the DCC is now DOA. Hey. Hey now. Very good. Anyway, gang, uh, Storm is now a face, and he gets the final theme of the episode here, his current Impact theme. This is by Dale Oliver, Bucky Covington, and Big Vinnie Mac again. It's the remake of Longnecks and Rednecks. Sorry about your damn luck. Creek swimming. Moonshine sipping. So, another taste of rap here, but I think this is the best use of rap for James Storm, because they took Longnecks and Rednecks and kept the same basic melody and tone, but they turned it into a country rap duet, with Bucky Covington singing the country parts with his really nice voice, and uh, Big Vinny doing the rapping. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm not used to this one as I am the original version of it, but, you know, I've come to enjoy this one here, Garrett, and I think it's a pretty good update. 
Yeah, I, I, I've had a, a roller coaster relationship with the song in that I, I do definitively prefer the original version of Long Neck Next and Red Next, which is actually, funnily enough, if you go back and listen to Bound for Glory 2020 when he came out in the College Rock Gauntlet, he actually used the original version, even though he does use this version now. And I was like, I was so happy that he used the original version when he came out of Bound for Glory. <laughs> and if you go back and look at the Impact YouTube, we the, 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 that team was posted that week, and I was like, oh, it has to be the original version because we actually did post the the, uh, the Bucky Covington version. Uh, but I was like, post the original. It was the original. <laughs> and we actually had some debate about whether or not it was the original. It's like, trust me, it's the original. Um, but with that said. I have grown to like this version of Long Necks and Rednecks. I think it is a, a, a different version. It, it's faster. Um, but I, I, I think it's it's just as catchy. It has grown on me. Yeah, again, I like the new vocals here with Bucky Covington. Long Necks and Rednecks are my friends. It's more emotional, I think. Um, it's funny, they somehow found a way to make Long Necks and Rednecks even more audacious than it already was. Because you've got the rapping in there now. You've got James Storm at the end. Hey, buddy, it's like I always say, sorry about your damn luck. Like, they made it even more of a raucous good time than before. Um, so, yeah, look, I'll always have a soft spot for the original, absolutely. But like you, I think over time, I've grown more and more fond of this one as well. So I'm in the same boat as you. Yeah, It's a grower. It's a grower. I, I hate those songs. I'm like, I hate it. And then like two <laughs> months later, it's like, God damn it. You have wormed your way into my ear, then my brain, and now my heart. Yeah. But yeah, this is Storm's theme right now, back in Impact. Um, not a main eventer anymore, more of a good, solid veteran hand, which I think is the right role for him at this point. And looking back on his Impact run, it's it's not all good and perfect, obviously, but still, there's a lot to like and a lot to appreciate. Uh, AMW, Beer Money, the Texas Deathmatch the theme songs, a lot of good stuff in there. And sure, will he ever get enough credit? Probably not. But he does have his fans, like you and I and many others, who do appreciate him and all that he's done. And I don't know how long he's going to be an impact for for this current run, but I do know that with his experience, his talent, and his longtime connection to TNA and Impact, his presence there can only be a good thing. So a hearty yeehaw to Cowboy James Storm. Uh, what about you, Garrett? Yeah, as I said, coming up on 1,000. 1,000 impact matches. He's three away from it. And I, I'll, I'll always welcome James Storm. I the, like Again, he's there, there was a period where impact kind of didn't have many in the way of like long connections to their past. You know, when like the longest tenured person on the roster was like Eddie Edwards who is phenomenal, but he's not like, you know, he doesn't go all the way back with the company. And it kind of made me a little sad that like a lot of the history and the heritage of the company was no longer reflected in like the current product. So then when you see the likes of Chris Saban and the likes of James Storm, like on the show, Eric Young as well, who like give a tangible connection through the history of the company. And uh, it makes the company feel like it has has had this like meaningful history, this meaningful like through line from start to finish. And it's not just this completely turned upside down for us, which it, it, you know, it's the nature of the business these days. If you go back and look at the card of like Slammiversary 2018, a lot of people moved on. That's that's wrestling. Some of them come back. Uh, and James Storm is one of, James Storm is one of those people that came back and he's he should be in the, the Impact Hall of Fame someday. He should be in the Impact Hall of Fame sooner rather than later. But I, I'll always watch James Storm. He will forever have a soft spot with me because, as I said, I think he's one of the most underrated wrestlers of the last 20 years. Mm. Well said, well said. 
Constantly at bangers of theme songs. That's all that's important. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, Garrett, thank you so much, as always, for being here. You are just, like I said, a fountain of knowledge when it comes to impact. Like a Pringles can, once you pop, you just can't stop. So thank you for being here and talking about James Storm's impact themes with me. This was just uh, so much fun. No problem at all. You know I will always talk about TNA theme songs until the end of time. And oh, I haven't said that Relic is Killer spelled backwards on this episode. Well, well there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you got it in at the end there at least. So there's that. <laughs> um, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Garrett Kidney, G-A-R-R-E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y. Uh, I do YouTube stuff where I do videos like once a month whenever I can find time about video games. Uh, so YouTube.com slash Garrett Kidney if you're interested in that. There was a Pokemon retrospective that went up recently. And me and my brother do a, a Disney retrospective animated review podcast uh, where we it's not animated. The films we watch are animated. Um, though I am very animated about the movies. Ah. <laughs> uh, where we watch through all the Disney animated features. We are up as far as we're actually right after I'm done with you. I've been talking about Home in the Range with my brother. Ah. A terrible movie. Yeah. But <laughs> if you would like to hear reviews of the, all those Disney films, there's 40 odd episodes at this stage. Uh, that is magicbydesign.buzzsprout.com or just search Magic by Design on your preferred podcasting platform. We should be there. And Music of the Met is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Met. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. If you want to discuss this episode or other topics, you can do so at the VOW Discord. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate and click the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Met. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Garrett, thank you again, and we'll see you around. It's a pleasure as always. All right, for Garrett Kidney, I'm Andrew Rich. And I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. It's been 16 weeks since I've been back home. I make a lot of money. I don't know where it goes. All I know is the guitar and the
Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.